Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program... This is a global story that really, um, I don't think there's any historical example, uh, uh, you know, where essentially the entire world is trying to shift at one time. That's after these headlines. Greenhouse emissions continue to rise at an alarming rate, hitting new records, and the economic slowdown from the COVID pandemic did not slow them down. The World Meteorological Organization warned yesterday, even as ministers from countries around the world prepare to meet in Scotland for the COP26 climate talks. COP26 is the next annual UN Climate Change Conference. COP stands for Conference of the Parties and the summit will be attended by the countries that signed the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, a treaty that came into force in 1994. Greenhouse gas levels are at new records. Again, concentration of CO2 in 2020 was 149% of pre-industrial times. Economic slowdown from COVID-19 had no real impact. We are set for an increase much higher than the hashtag Paris Agreement target of 1.5 degrees to 2 degrees, the WMO said on its Twitter page. Meanwhile, there has been progress on getting the developed nations to meet the target of contributing $100 billion each per year towards climate action, Britain, which is chairing the COP26 talks, said in a press statement yesterday. Tesla hit $1 trillion in market value as America's biggest electric car maker continues to benefit from the world's shift towards electric vehicles. Shares in the company surged 12.6% yesterday after Tesla struck a $4.2 billion deal with rental car service Hertz to supply an initial order of 100,000 electric cars and new charging infrastructure by the end of 2022. Tesla joins Apple, Microsoft, Amazon and Google's parent Alphabet in the trillion-dollar club as the world's most valuable companies. Facebook said operating profits for 2021 will be lower by $10 billion owing to increasing investments in its metaverse plan and augmented reality and virtual reality. That includes its investments in hardware products like the new 128GB Oculus Quest 2 headset. The social networking company reported its fiscal third quarter earnings results after markets in the US yesterday. CEO Mark Zuckerberg said in a statement that starting the current quarter, the company will break out additional financial metrics for Facebook Reality Labs, which includes the augmented reality and virtual reality work, and Facebook's family of apps, which includes Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp and other services. Rajat Varma and Justin Limon found themselves next to each other due to the seating arrangements in their MBA class at Harvard Business School back in 2004. They struck up a fast friendship and eventually co-founded Loham Cleantech, a battery solutions company for the EV and energy storage market. I caught up with the duo for a quick update on their plans and they spoke about expanding capacity in India, plans for a battery recycling factory in the US, and efforts to get closer to manufacturing the lithium-ion cells themselves in India, for which we are currently completely reliant on imports from countries like China and South Korea. 
Here's more from our conversation. Rajat, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, good to have you here again. And Justin, uh, happy to meet you. Uh, for, for this, the first time I'm getting to uh, talk to you. Thank you so much both for making time for this podcast. Uh, so maybe we could uh, start with uh, uh, maybe a brief snapshot about Lohum and uh, we'll go from there. Well, thank you. Thank you, Hari, for having us back. Uh, Lohum, uh, as you may recall, is a battery lifecycle management company. We have a goal of ensuring that we make the most use out of a battery during its life and ensure that its carbon footprint is as low as possible during the course of its life. What that means in simple terms is we make first life battery packs for the electric vehicle industry. We repurpose those battery packs uh, and put them out for second life after they've lived their first life. And then at the end of the second life, we recycle the battery pack, extract all the metals, and we send them to our partners who reuse those metals to make cells. We are based out of New Delhi, uh, India, as well as uh, DC in the US. And right now our operations are in India, US and in Europe. Okay. Uh, tell us also a bit about uh, how the two of you got to know each other. Uh, was it the Howard connection? Sure. Uh, sure. I could jump, jump in there. Um, Ari, it's a, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be with you. Yes, we 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 did meet uh, for the first time in in business school. We haven't actually the way the way that uh, the first uh, semester works at at business school, at least at our school, was that it's pre-assigned seating, and so we we for we fortunately just happen to be placed right next to each other. So so uh, we essentially spent a lot of time sitting next to one another and exchanging thoughts, and then that that obviously spawned a not only a very good uh, friendship through business school, but, but, uh, you know, a long-term fruitful f- friendship, uh, thereafter. Mm. Um, give us an update on your, uh, operations in India, both, uh, on the manufacturing side in Noida and, uh, in terms of, uh, the expansion of your network for collecting used batteries. So, um, you know, last when we spoke, uh, Hariri had two units. One was in, uh, one was doing lithium-ion battery manufacturing, both first life and second life. And the second unit is where we were running our recycling facility. As we speak now, we are expanding first the capacity on the recycling site. So we are uh, right now in the process of commissioning our third facility, where we will have capacity to handle 5,000 tons of input material per annum. That actually translates to a gigawatt hour facility. And uh, there's a heavy focus on solving the large EV battery problem, uh, not just the smaller batteries that come, whether from the uh, small two-wheeler and three-wheeler market or from the uh, you know electronics market, but now the focus is also shifting because we are seeing first signs of large EV batteries coming to us in the form of modules. So uh, that's what is going on. We hope to commission the facility by the end of November. Uh, it will be a full circuit facility, which basically means we'll be taking in the battery modules or battery packs and converting them into uh, cobalt sulfate, uh, nickel sulfate, lithium carbonate, uh, and manganese sulfate, uh, besides taking out the graphite as well. 
you know, the battery manufacturing facility that we have continues to run at close to capacity. Uh, we're seeing a lot of demand from our customers who themselves have seen a lot of demand emerge in the market. And it's no surprise, I think the data is out there in the public domain as well. Uh, you know, of course, it's holiday season. It's a festival season in India. But I think also the government's push and government's increased subsidy, the central government's increased subsidy in the uh, high-speed two-wheeler market, I think has given a renewed momentum to the segment. <clears throat> on, on the um, on the collection for Benhari, obviously there's a... There's there's a large market that exists in um, in, in India from a, a feedstock standpoint, um, but we we also look outside of uh, outside of India, um, particularly as it relates to uh, the the, the four wheeler sector um, that is more mature in in markets outside of uh, India for um, for sourcing uh, both used batteries and and, and also. Uh, and also raw materials. So effectively, we are we are working with a number of um, OEMs, uh, both in Europe and in the U.S., where essentially we are um, acquiring their feedstock, uh, used modules, and or cells, and then evaluating them. Uh, the first step in our process is we have a very advanced um, testing capability where essentially it's a you know combination of um, uh, software combined with a uh, machine learning application where we essentially are evaluating the um, the health of the cell and determining whether we can reuse that cell in, in a new application uh, and and ensure that we provide a warranty around that um, if it um, if it meets our criteria, then then we will reuse the cell. Our 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 mantra, the way we way we think about it, right, is is that our first goal is to reuse, and if there's not a reuse opportunity, then we will recycle. Um, and, and and so, if the battery tests uh, tests well, uh, then we will reuse that into a new application. If it doesn't, then we'll move into the to the recycling side. I think what. Um, uh, what you know what what's been exciting for for us is that um uh this is a this is a global story that really um i don't think there's any historical example uh, uh you know where essentially the entire world is trying to shift at one time and and so um that makes it a very very exciting opportunity and so we're, we're seeing um uh you know not not only um really, really interesting opportunities, uh, you know, in India, but we're seeing those all over the place. Right. And we're, you know, because of our technology, we're able to use materials from other geographies, such as, uh, such as Europe and, and the U S and then, and then, um, <clears throat> that gives us, um, that gives us a way to <clears throat> not only take advantage of all our operations in, in, in India, but, um, uh, allows us to uh, to build and strengthen, you know, it, relationships with, uh, companies outside of India, um, as, as we embark on international expansion into the U S, uh, and to Europe. Mm. And, and give us an update on your U S operations. You're building a factory there. Uh, where would it be located and by when do you expect 
uh, the first batteries to roll out from the U.S. plant? Yeah, the U.S. operations are more about uh, reuse and recycling. We're not uh, we're not putting out a factory to produce primary batteries for that market, first life batteries for that market. Uh, we expect the first uh, first part of that. Uh, you know, again, we're doing it in phases. Part one is ensuring that we've got testing uh, and collection capacity. Part two is we set up what we call uh, shredding capacity. And then part C is setting up uh, full circuit capacity. And we expect to roll this entire thing out over the course of the next one year. Uh, we shortlisted a couple of different locations in the US at the moment. And I think we're negotiating the stage with the respective local authorities to figure out where it makes most sense. We probably will be able to announce the location firmly by the end of the year. And going forward, would you say that uh, India, your Indian operations would become a hub for supplying to other Asian markets? Uh, and eventually, do you think there is scope to expand to markets like Africa and Latin America? Certainly, Harry. I mean, we are already seeing uh, signs of that. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the Asian and the uh, African or the Latin American markets. We are seeing demand emerge from Europe as well. We've started seeing demand emerge from some niche applications in the US as well. So, uh, you know, so a lot of these use cases are emerging where people are looking at India as an alternative to China. Uh, I think that's the key underlying theme. Uh, and uh, needless to say, with India's expertise in software that does allow India to come up with battery management systems, which can be configured and uh, which can be uh, constituted better for certain specific applications for these markets. So that is an emerging key. We obviously expect the batteries in all these cases to be manufactured in India um, and uh, shipped to all these locations. What, yeah, as you may know, though is in a battery pack outside of the battery management system and rest of the material cells are the most integral part of a battery pack and as we speak as of now there's still no capacity no commercial capacity available in the country for cell manufacturing so from that perspective all of us are still dependent on the supply chain which is concentrated in china and we're hoping that changes soon we are hoping that changes in the next couple of years uh, at least there is some initial change which will allow us to create truly uh, made-in-India products uh, for these markets. Mm. You, you've told us uh, previously as well about your aspiration to make cells uh, at Loham or through partnerships. Uh, uh, are, you, are you closer to uh, starting that? So we are certainly closer to starting a small pilot facility. Uh, we've been we've, you know, at this stage, we are working with third-party partners to uh, you know, put together all our requirements for machinery. It'll be a small pilot in with, and we want to see the uh, viability of that pilot uh, from a perspective. We certainly will be provisioning the raw material directly uh, from our recycling output. And if all goes well, then the next step will be to expand it into a pre-commission facility. Hmm. Uh, you you just mentioned uh, battery management systems and uh, other electronics related to the uh, to this industry. Uh, are there ways in which you uh, can take advantage of you know sensors and the so-called uh, edge computing to track the condition of the batteries that you supply to the market? Or are you already doing some of this work? 
Are you here already doing some of this work? In fact, uh, we, we do believe that at Loa, one of our core skill sets is around data collection uh, and putting together the data infrastructure. And it is absolutely critical for us, particularly as we think about second life batteries. So, uh, or particularly think about uh, the remaining useful life in batteries. So uh, we are, we've already started building. We do believe we've got one of the largest databases out there where in terms of what happens to a battery as it moves day in, day out through the charge-discharge cycles and through various different kinds of use cases. And uh, we hope to collect more and more data. Uh, we are also seeing, though it's still very early and emergent, uh, uh, we are seeing people becoming more and more open about uh, possibly sharing data as well. And I think uh, if indeed that spirit remains, then we probably will have a very efficient market uh, in which everyone will be able to uh, look at data, analyze data, mine the data, and help use that to predict what more can be done with the battery pack. And it's not just team emerging in India, but team emerging globally. Battery passports, uh, what may be called battery twins, are becoming uh, sort of some very uh, standardized ways of capturing batteries. Uh, of course, uh, people are still trying to figure out what data to capture, what data not to capture. Uh, you know, and that it's still early days of experimentation from that perspective, but it is certainly something that everyone is doing. A lot of young startups have emerged all over the world, which are also trying to uh, you know, figure out how they can contribute to this area. Just if you want to add anything to this. Well, I think uh, I, I would echo your thoughts. It, it's happening. It, it's a critical piece of the uh, equation um, uh, to understand how you know how these cells are performing and how the battery's performing and um and you know make adjustments as much as as we can uh throughout production to refine it so they continues to get better and better and i think that's just from from uh from a first life standpoint and i think what we're focused on or one of the areas we're focused on at at loam and why we focus so much on 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 data early is, is that 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 data piece and the analytics piece is critical to being able to evaluate a used cell and determine whether it can be reused and in what application. And we think there's significant amount of opportunity in, um, in the second life space, particularly in some of the markets that you mentioned, um, uh, a, a bit ago, Hari, um, whether it's, you know, India, other parts of Southeast Asia, um, Africa, Latin America, um, we think those are, um, really interesting opportunities for second life, but you have to really have a deep data set and, and really understand, um, both the history of the, of the battery and, and what you think you can do with it from a forecasting standpoint. So, uh, as a specific use case, uh, in the foreseeable future, it might be possible, uh, for a truck driver, maybe, uh, or even a two-year user to uh, get a ping on his smartphone saying that, hey, your battery needs to be changed or needs some kind of maintenance. And that, that alert might come from a data center from Loham or one of your OEMs using your technology. And, you know, so maybe to that extent, uh, in the aggregate uh, level, it makes your uh, supply chain more efficient. I mean, are those some of the kinds of things that you're envisioning? 
Yeah, absolutely, Hari. And uh, not just that, I mean, that certainly is part of the goal, but I think there are also sort of a lot of things that you can communicate directly with the end user, which will allow them to maintain the state of health of the battery. That's another thing. I mean, again, the larger idea, the larger theme with which we are all working here is how to minimize the uh, carbon footprint, right? And so the longer a battery lives uh, with the customer, the better it is for everyone involved. And uh, we have seen instances where uh, misuse or abuse of battery packs uh, obviously makes them degrade quicker, fail faster. And it's all about education. And one of the things, Hari, which I think I probably mentioned last time we spoke in Sunil, is, you know, the entire world as a shift, I mean, again, as Justin pointed out, the entire world is shifting to battery tech uh, simultaneously. So there's a lot of knowledge deficit everywhere. Uh, different people are learning different things. People are trying to improve and uh, people are trying to get educated. But one key thing that we do believe this market is is education of the consumers as well. I remember the auto industry, the traditional auto industry, which is, you know, almost a hundred year old industry has uh, done that uh, quite well, but in an age where digital technologies were not available, but people have mastered the art of uh, figuring out how to get the most mileage of the cars. I think it's still very early days in the battery uh, led uh, electric vehicle space, but we do hope that this education becomes much quicker, much faster, only because there's seamless technical integration uh, today between the vendors, the OEMs, and the end customers. And that should allow for a far more efficient solution in the market. And uh, we hope to be one of the pioneers in delivering that solution. Okay, a couple of uh, last questions. Uh, one is if you step back and look at uh, the entire EV. Uh, industry as well as the energy storage industry, the way it's evolving. What are some of the most important emerging technologies, uh, marketing processes, uh, sorry, manufacturing processes maybe, that over time uh, will help the industry or the battery life cycle to move towards uh, you know, what people like to call net zero? Sure, I'll take a stab at it and uh, Justin, feel free to add uh, something to it. But you know, Hari, one of the, at least in the battery tech space, one of the uh, key requirements is to make battery recycling friendly. And I think that is happening across the entire uh, battery manufacturing space, whether it is on the cell side, whether it is on the pack assembly side, whether it is on the uh, thermal management that you put in for the battery pack, whether it is how you actually bond the cells together. All these are areas where a lot of innovation is happening uh, with a very clear purpose. How do we make it environmentally uh, friendly from a recycling perspective. The other theme which is certainly playing a big role in the battery tech side is how to make batteries uh, safer. I think that's, that is a concern which is, uh, which is out there across the world and people are trying to do whatever they can to make battery packs safer. Not just wait for the holy grail of solid state batteries to come in, but even prior to that, a lot of interesting things happening everywhere, which will allow uh, batteries to become, uh, you know, much safer than the perception at the moment. Uh, but we're working on a lot of those technologies uh, ourselves out here. Uh, we are also learning from, we are collaborating with, uh, you know, universities out in the West, which are doing a lot of research in the same. And, uh, you know, we hope to be, keep bringing innovation to the market on a regular basis. Justin, anything else? Uh, no, I, I mean, I think certainly, um, 
recycling is a key one. Um, uh, just because there's such a huge opportunity where if, um, we can, whatever's taken out of the ground, we, we can, um, we can recycle that. And the beauty of, uh, you know, these materials is that are we, you, you can, if you do it correctly, you can recycle battery materials over and over and over and over again. And there's no little to no degradation at all. Right. Um, and so, uh, from a sustainability standpoint and a resource management standpoint, it creates a really interesting opportunity. Um, I think on, on the cell production side, um, where, uh, where there's the largest energy requirement, um, I, I think, uh, you're starting to see some, some interesting developments there, developments there and trying to figure out how to lower that, uh, lower that energy requirement. And I think on, on the actual battery design, um, where, uh, essentially, uh, you know, folks are working on, uh, in some cases already in place where, um, you're designing um, super, super efficient batteries. Um, and, and, um, from a recycling standpoint, they are, um, they're much easier, uh, to work with. Right. So if it's, a you know, a, essentially almost a cell only battery versus a packed and modeled and cell, uh, design that then, um, the, the opportunity to do many things, whether it's second life, uh, recycling, wh whatever the case would be, but to maximize the utilization of whatever remaining life is in there, th those are promising opportunities from a sustainability standpoint, just because in most cases, at least what we're seeing, there, there's a lot of remaining, um, life in those. And I think the, the, the last point I would just say is, um, there's so much capital that's being put in this space and there's so much innovation because essentially the entire world is focused on trying to solve this problem. So the speed at, at the speed at which we're seeing innovation, um, uh, is, you know, is really, really interesting. I mean, even if we just look at, um, uh, you know, Tesla's latest an announcement on moving standard range vehicles to LFP, uh, five years ago, that was not, um, something that people uh, would have envisioned. Right. Um, and so I think this, you know, that this evolution to, um, uh, different types of chemistries where we're optimizing those for specific applications, I think we'll, we'll continue to see that also offers, um, some really interesting opportunities, particularly when you go below the, below the main automotive space where there are huge, vast amounts of, um, mobility applications in the two and three wheelers where, we can um, really optimize um, a, a cell um, for that particular application uh, and lower the cost. And, and, and those uh, could bring about really exciting change. Excellent. Uh, Rajat, uh, Justin, thank you again for making time for this conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I definitely hope to keep the conversation going. Thank you, Hari. Thank you, Hari. That was Rajat Varma and Justin Limon. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.